kings, some to Persia for silken carpets, others to India to buy gauze moonstones and bracelets of jade, sandalwood, and shawls of fine wool. But what had occupied him most of all was the robe he was to wear at his coronation, the robe of tissued gold, and the ruby-studded crown, and the scepter with its rows and strings of pearls. Indeed, it was of this he was thinking tonight, as he lay back on his luxurious couch, watching the great pine log that was burning itself out on the open hearth. The designs, from the most famous artists of the time, had been submitted to him many months before, and he had given orders that craftsmen should toil day and night to carry them out, and that the whole world was to be searched for jewels that would be worthy of their work. After some time, he rose from his seat, and leaning against the carved penthouse of the chimney, looked around at the dimly lit room. The walls were hung with rich tapestries. A large cupboard, inlaid with agate and lapis lazuli, filled one corner, and facing the window stood a curiously made cabinet with lacquer panels of powdered and mosaic gold. Pale poppies were embroidered on the silk coverlet of the bed, and tall reeds of fluted ivory bore up the velvet canopy from which great tufts of ostrich plume sprang. On the table stood a flat bowl of amethyst. Outside he could see the huge dome of the cathedral looming over the shadowy houses and the weary sentinels pacing up and down on the misty terrace by the river. Far away in an orchard a nightingale was singing. A faint perfume of jasmine came through the open window. He brushed his brown curls back from his forehead and taking up a lute let his fingers stray across the chords. Never before had he felt so keenly or with such joy, the magic and the mystery of beautiful things. When midnight sounded from the clock tower, he touched a bell. His pages entered and disrobed him. A few moments after they had left the room, he fell asleep. And as he slept, he dreamed a dream. And this was his dream. He thought he was standing in a long, low attic, amidst the whir and clatter of many looms. The meagre daylight peered in through the grated windows and showed him the gaunt figures of the weavers bending over their cases. Pale, sickly children were crouched on the huge crossbeams. As the shuttles dashed through the warp, they lifted up the heavy battens, and when the shuttles stopped, they let the battens fall and pressed the threads together. Their faces were pinched with famine, and their thin hands shook and trembled. Some haggard women were seated at a table sewing. A horrible odour filled the place. The air was foul and heavy, and the walls dripped and streamed with damp. The young king went over to one of the weavers and stood by him and watched him. And the weaver looked at him angrily and said, Why are you watching me? You a spy set on us by our master? Who is your master? asked the young king. Our master, cried the weaver bitterly. He is a man like myself. Indeed, there is but this difference between us, that he wears fine clothes while I go in rags, and that while I am weak from hunger, he suffers not a little from overfeeding. The land is free, said the young king, and you are no man's slave. In war, answered the weaver, 
The strong make slaves of the weak, and in peace the rich make slaves of the poor. We must work to live, and they give us such mean wages that we die. We toil for them all day long, and they heap up gold in their coffers, and our children fade away before their time, and the faces of those we love become hard and evil. We tread the grapes, and others drink the wine. We have chains, though no eye can see them, and our slaves, though men call us free. Is it so with everyone? he asked. It is so with everyone, answered the weaver, with the young as well as with the old, with the women as well as the men, with the little children as well as those who are stricken with years. The merchants grind us down and we must do their bidding. The priest rides by and no man cares for us. Through our sunless lanes creeps poverty with his hungry eyes and sin with his sodden face follows close behind her. Misery wakes us in the morning and shame sits with us at night. But what are these things to you? You are not one of us.